to What in Tarnation, Tar Heel Blog's Hot Take Podcast. On this episode, we're recapping UNC's win over NC State. I'm Tanya Anderson, and with me as always are Brandon Anderson and Julius Emanuel. Guys, Saturday went okay. It it did, um, from a win-lose standpoint. <laughs> Everything else was a mess. <laughs> it was a mess, but it was a mess that we won. Yes. <laughs> We we didn't feel, I mean, I said I felt like I was more confident than Julia sounded in the last episode. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was even like, come on, man, it's not, it's not all that bad. <laughs> um, but it, it was, it probably lived up to its billing in how chippy I think we thought it might be. Yeah, no, I um definitely, I don't know. I I just did not really feel comfortable heading into this game for various reasons. <laughs> Typically, State coming into um, the first part of this series <clears throat> with a better team than traditionally, you know, they have, or at least it appears that they have, um, with Torquavion shooting the way that he was doing. Um, and... You know, some of our deficiencies that we found here and there quite a bit. I just felt like that if there was going to be a game that uh, was a recipe for disaster, that could have been. Like, look at what happened to Duke at PNC. Right. Oh, no, you're you're not wrong. And, um, I mean, Caroline only shot 37% from the field. It could have gone wrong, for sure. Um we were sitting in the line to get breakfast Saturday and I was, you know, reading Brandon, all of the Twitter happenings. And I read him the daggum box score tweet about State's free throw differential and how it was abysmal. Um, and I told Brandon, I said, you know, Caroline's good at getting to the free throw line. State is really bad about letting people get to the free throw line. I was like, it's going to be very lopsided, and they're going to act stunned about this, despite the fact that this is who they've proven to be all year. Because you don't get to a minus over 100 free throw differential on accident. And uh, that turned out to be... <laughs> more accurate than I think we were even ready for. Yeah. I I am still mind blown that we shot 39 free throws. Yeah. I I've I don't know that I've ever seen a basketball game where any team has shot that many. And like I'm I obviously don't say that saying that something with look, the officiating overall was bad. I just want to get that out of the way. Like if anybody wants to claim that like some of the states Fouls weren't really fouls. I mean, okay, but you're still left with like 30 free throws for UNC. Like it, uh, it was just insane. And I even went back and looked at some of the states' games where like their opponents, like how many free throws they shot. And it was bad. It wasn't that, but it was bad. Like they have just been terrible with that stuff. 
And, I mean, Carolina is a good team at getting to the free throw line uh, when they're playing, you know, the style of basketball that we want from them. And, I mean, R.J. Davis was 14 of 14 from the line. Uh, Caleb was 9 of 10. Uh, They were just getting there with ease and and making them, more importantly. And then I feel like State was just sort of reeling from how pretty much their entire team and all the coaches and all the fans behind the bench were in foul trouble at the same time. I would just like State fans to pretend like they have watched not only a state game this season, but any other ACC basketball game this season. Yeah. Because we have gone on record, everybody, anyone affiliated, not just with the ACC, I feel like college basketball in general has gone on record to say that officiating has been horrible. However, let's not pretend that you are not the worst at sending people to the line and we're not one of the best at getting there, you know, at least in conference play. Like, there was, and there was even a tweet where someone said, you know, to that effect, and they were like, hey, I would have expected a better understanding of statistics from an engineering school. <laughs> but Debbie Yao says there's no justifiable reason why a team should have 39 free throws in a game. I need her Twitter to spontaneously combust. I'm tired of seeing her little comments come up whenever UNC's involved. Like, I've just never witnessed such a messy AD in my life. Not even AD anymore, but... She's cringe and embarrassing, and she should probably feel bad. The fact that she's still cringe and embarrassing. Yes, it is very embarrassing. And I think is even more embarrassing is the fact that the fans relish that. They yeah. celebrate her for doing that. And I'm like, dude, like, no, this is a, a former senior official that is a representative of your athletics department, if you want to call it that. Um, and she's behaving this way on Twitter. Like, it's, I just. She's basically a state Twitter troll. Yeah. Who was an AD. And you know that there are people, state fans, of course, on Twitter that have really said that they miss her because Boo Corrigan doesn't back them up the way that they want him to back them up. Like, he is actually, like, the AD that is, like, normal. Right. I've went through his Twitter, and it's everything you would expect from a normal AD, and I'm like, okay, so this is why y'all hate him. Like, you should have an AD who goes around taking pictures of his forehead at sporting events. They should be vaguely seen and not heard for the vast majority of it. But credit to Debbie Al. She knows her audience. She sure the hell does. She's not, and she's not the only one either. Social media account knows their audience. The Wolfpacker knows their audience. Pack Pride even knows their audience. Even though... They have got to know, dog, this is BS. Got to play to the audience, got to get those numbers up. And I definitely understand um, from a 
media publication perspective for you know NC State because we've seen that their numbers are pretty bad. So yeah. you got you know you're playing UNC, so you're going to do whatever you can to drum up the that support. But hey, guys, we only play each other two, maybe three games a year. I don't know what you're going to do for these other ones, but you're going to have a spike in traffic for you know this this game, and then the rest of it is just going to fall fall off like a cliff. A cliff. And I am sorry, but someone please take Pack Pride from Corey Smith. <laughs> With the speed of which we have never seen before, just go on and take it. Like, for the love of God. I guess we should, with all of that being said, uh, discuss the elephant in the room. We were talking about how, you know, messy state fans are, so I figured it was time to talk about how they tried to slander my boy, which I will not stand for. Yeah. Um, there was. The leaky black Turquavion Smith play, which, you know, no one wants that kid to be hurt at all. Very glad that he's not. It looked terrible, and I'm, I am truly, sincerely glad to see that he is fine. Yes. However, <laughs> leaky did nothing egregious on that play he attempted to block the ball as you do as you're supposed to do mm-hmm. he had no control over what happened after he tried to swat the ball away he could not help how hard he landed on the ground what position he landed on the ground in but i felt like he got punished for how bad the fallout was with the flagrant two. And I don't care (laughs) what the letter of the law is because a lot of rules in sports by the letter of the law are kind of BS. I mean, who knows what targeting is or isn't (laughs) that kind of thing. Um, I think that you should be able to make a flagrant two call with like an ounce of context. And I just, even if I I understand someone's going to say, but the, but the rule says, I understand what the rule says, but I think that if Terquavion falls down and gets back up, that they call it a flagrant one, which means it's not a flagrant two. Yeah. I looked a little bit at the rules, and I'm with you. It doesn't really matter what the rule of the law says. And I would even argue that the rule of the law is really open for interpretation because basically when you look at the flagrant two rule, it's essentially saying that whatever they can deem as malicious or dangerous – is a flagrant two. And I so strongly disagree with that because, okay, that particular play, we see it most games, maybe not exactly making contact with the head, but I mean, somebody's going up for a block, somebody's knocking somebody down. And most of the time they're not getting hurt the way that Turquavion did. And, um, I just, 
do not understand why, because of the result of it, we decided to go with the flagrant two. It makes no sense. Like, it really, truly doesn't. And it is what it is. It wasn't consequential to UNC winning or anything like that, but I, it really just highlights to me, and this is where I'm the angriest about it, but it really just highlights how bad these officials have been across the country this season. So for me, uh, I'd have to question, especially given how they treated um, the love foul later after that, if Torquavion had not fallen, if he had gotten up, would it have even been a flagrant one? Yeah. And the reason, the, the thing for me is why I was so upset is, okay, here you've got Leaky Black, which has been so instrumental, so loved, you know, uh, by the UNC program. Everybody's tweeting this little snap snippet. If they're including the video, that's cool. If not, some, you know, some of them, most of them are uh, tweeting out these manufactured angles before or after the shot. Like, oh, he wasn't even playing on the ball kind of thing, but they're still saying, oh, well, Leaky Black was ejected for a flagrant two. That is what's going on around the country, right? That's what everybody's seeing across the country when that was not the case. Like that, no, that is just, it, it was just ridiculous and it just fueled what was, you know, a good 36 to 48 hour um, mess on social media. You handed one of the worst fan bases, a gallon of gasoline and a torch. Yeah. And it just should not have been. And what Leaky did, I would argue, was less egregious than what Marcel did on Love because that was not a play on the ball at all. Just smack him in the face. He just smacked him in the face. Yeah. Leaky was attempting to block the shot. And that's where I say, like, there has to be context in the call. Because, again, if, if Terquavion has nothing more than what Caleb did, where he was kind of, like, rattled for a minute but ultimately gets up, I don't think they call it a flagrant two. I think they called it a flagrant two because of the optics of them having to bring out the stretcher and the backboard and all of those things. And they didn't want to have not called it a flagrant two if later they find out, oh, he broke something. He is seriously hurt. But you can't you can't call games based on, well, we don't want to look bad if he's actually hurt or oh, it looks really bad that he's been down on the court for 15 minutes. We have to call it a flagrant, too. Like, it, you can't allow refs to call the game that way. So I'll say one thing that you just said, and maybe the social media campaigns are getting to the referees. So if, if what they did was truly, we don't want to look bad because they have been looking bad, um, at least they are listening to that aspect, but this was definitely not a way to do that. No, not at all. And um, today, Kevin Keats came out and he said that he didn't feel like Leaky did anything malicious. He said it looked like a basketball play. He said as far as he was concerned, Leaky had gotten a piece of that ball. He completely diffused 
the notion that Leaky did anything malicious, which once again, they're going to burn his house down. Yeah, we are a long way from Debbie Yao, NC State stuff when it comes to who is employed there, because like truly, that was very like he didn't need to give that form of input about it, like. Because, you know, he obviously knows that there's a fan base that he could appease to. He knows how rabid they are, but he chose to take the high the high ground, and he was very professional and, you know, what have you. I, I tweeted earlier that that school doesn't deserve Keats, and I stand by that. <laughs> yeah, and, so, and, I, and I honestly, I think a little bit As of a man, reason why... That's no, as a coach, they do. <laughs> I think a little bit of the reason why he did that too is it was getting nasty. Yeah, uh, so nasty. with the threats and the the threats of violence. It's, I mean, I, I I don't. Which I, like please? I, I expect very little from the NC State fan base, but holy fuck! Yeah. Which like please check yourself if you're threatening violence when your dude was. Out on Glenwood, two hours later, at the bars. Like, uh, yeah, it's one thing if he was like actually hurt. I still, I, it would still be wrong. But he he was partying it up. He had a good Saturday night, and you're out here like making death threats. Like, touch grass. Touch the nearest grass. Y'all got a lot of. <laughs> I even told Brandon, I was like, so if I were in that position, like, I, no one, obviously, you know what, what has been said. You know how people are reacting. I would have stayed home. Like, all you had to do was just stay home. Nope. <laughs> Not like, what are you thinking, Torquavia? Like, I got it. Walk be- in with, like, a bandage on something. <laughs> My name, like. He would have walked like, in looking like Nelly. <laughs> just have the one on the cheek. Walking in for a case from in front of Judge Joe Brown or something like you're honored. <laughs> but yeah. no, it, it looks it looks worse now. And again, I am thrilled that he's okay yeah. because I cannot imagine what would have happened if he had not been okay. Like that is a scary thought because of how unhinged that fan base is, and UNC still has to go to PNC. Well, and. This kind of takes us to the other two problems that came up. Um, the other thing state fans were mad about is the fans booing the flagrant two call. Listen, they stood up, applauded Turquavion Smith. Like, they were very concerned about him, just like all of us were concerned about him. That was the universal feeling of everybody. Also, and, let's not pretend like there haven't been some wild situations of a UNC player getting hurt and people booing them. Because they thought it was fake. Because they thought it was fake. That did not happen. Like, nobody thought Smith's getting hurt was fake. Why would, why would he fake that? So, so it's just well, like... Well, and then so the other part of that too, though, was like most of the, at least the fans online, were just forgetting that part. They were just trying to to act like UNC fans were just booing him in general, which was um, not the case. 
Right, and I'm, you know that was not the case. Everyone who saw the broadcast knows it was not the case. But, okay, you and your victimhood complex, like, you do you, but... Yeah, why this weekend was a perfect example of why I have always said we belong in different conferences, and that would be very fine, but never playing them in another sport ever again. Absolutely, and um, I was talking to somebody on Twitter after it all happened. Um, he was a U- he's a UNC fan, and I think he initially thought that the booing was, in ba- but then I pointed out, I'm just like, you know what? It's still a basketball game, though. And the thing about a basketball game is it still has to keep going. And if the basketball game has to keep going, fans aren't going to, like, cherry pick what they just, like, let go when it comes to the referees. Like, they're not going to be like, oh, flagrant to, well, the kids hurt, so let's just be quiet for this one. And then that's not going to happen. No, we'll, like, we'll just accept without any protest our team's best defender being ejected from the game when it was like, it wasn't a blowout by any means at that point. Like, yeah. So no, that's just, but again, they were booing the call as is their right. As I feel they are justified in doing. And you would have done the same thing. If not worse, not worse. They might have had to, like, avoid stuff being thrown at them, you know. Uh-huh. Like, that's not happened before. Like, that hasn't <laughs> happened before. I'm just saying, we know who y'all are. Yeah. I hope we have the police escorts for PNC. And if what you're I going mean? to the game at PNC, God help you. Yeah. Pray for you. These are just first-class idiots in my and that brings us to the sunglass gate. Oh, gosh. Armando Baycott showing up to a press conference wearing sunglasses. And I, I just need to lay out the order of what happened here. Shows up with the glasses on. Reporters, reporters, reporters ask him why he's wearing the sunglasses. He says, y'all know why. He didn't say anything else. They then asked him again, is it because of this? And he answered the question. Of course, state fans, Duke fans alike, pull out the class list, da-da-da-da-da. Even Wake fans calling Baycott and UNC fans classless, this, that, and the other. I need fans to understand something. Baycott, if he wasn't plugged in enough to know that Terquavion was okay, I'm going to go out on a limb and say that he knew he felt a particular type of way about his decisions to where he felt comfortable doing that. I don't know if him and Terquavion are cool like that. That's none of my business. I don't know if Hubert told Baycott that Terquavion was okay. That's none of my business. He could have known nothing and maybe it was a bad move to make. It's none of my business, but what I do know is they were sunglasses. And in hindsight, y'all, that man did not die. No. Please stop acting like he passed away and that we need to, like, eulogize him. He's fine. 
Yeah. The funniest thing, the funniest thing I saw was still uh, the next morning, people acting like, "Oh, Baycott, you know, uh, Wiki, Wiki almost killed him, or he's still in the hospital." I'm like, obviously, you haven't seen the photos circulating of him being at a bar, right? It's just people react so strongly when certain things happen, not stopping to think that maybe there's something that we don't know or it's just not as serious as we make it out to be. Like, I mean, here's the thing. Do I, like, if I was the person thumbs up or thumbs downing Baycott's decision, I probably would have said, maybe let it go this time. Do I think it was a big deal? No, I I do not think it was a big deal. It's not like he came in wearing a sling and a patch over his eye and was like, I'm Turquavion Smith. Like, that didn't happen. It was sunglasses. He was making a point, which he was going to make silently until he was pressed on it. It just isn't that big of a deal. And when you add in the fact that we now know Terquavion was fine, fine enough to be like simultaneously while Baycott's sitting there in sunglasses, like he's Ubering to Glenwood or whatever, like it's it's fine. Yeah. Well, and it's also not like Baycott didn't address that. Like he's, you know, he's he talked about the player that Smith was, and you know, said he was praying for him, you know, you know hoping that he, you know, recovered and had good health. But I mean, come on, it's just. And I guess I have to use this point to also um, lament the UNC fans that jumped on Baycott, joining with the NC State fans. Like, come on, yeah. So it's like now y'all are giving them gas. Stop giving them gas. Why is everybody giving them gasoline? Mm-hmm. And it's just like nothing can be lighthearted. Nothing can be funny because you all take yourselves too seriously. And people have been trying really hard to make Baycott look like some bad guy ever since the NCAA tournament where he was allegedly playing dirty. And so there's been this whole narrative, and now there's this. And it's just like, y'all literally just want to believe what you want to believe. And while you are more than welcome to, he also doesn't deserve to take y'all's nonsense. He especially doesn't deserve to take it from UNC fans. And like, even if you didn't find it especially uh, tasteful in the moment, I don't think it was nearly bad enough that it warranted UNC fans getting all riled up about it. I also want to say that um, at this point, if you're going to have a dissenting opinion, especially if it's going to be uh, in agreement with NC State about anything, nobody cares that you start the sentence with, I'm a UNC fan, but... What is that? Everything before the butt doesn't matter. Yep. Like no, I, nobody cares. You lost me at butt. Right. Like, my, my ears turned off. It's like when people say "I'm sorry," but like everything before the butt is is no longer valid. Breaking news: Duke 
lost to Virginia Tech. I just saw that. Congrats <laughs> to Virginia Tech for getting another ACC win aside from the one against UNC. Virginia Tech was on a seven-game losing streak, and then they beat Duke. They are the blue blood beaters. That's a tongue twister. At least they're not calling themselves the new bloods. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that was a rough period of time, I'll tell you. <laughs> well, they're still doing that. I watched the FSU game, whatever the last one was, and they were like, uh, you know, Leonard Hamilton considers themselves like the new bloods. I'm like, please stop talking. Just stop. My goodness. But, yes, we uh... – to not have it glossed over, Baycott did become UNC's all-time leader in double-doubles and rebounds, uh, passing Billy Cunningham and Tyler Hansborough, two very good categories to uh, be the school's all-time leader in. Um, he's going to obliterate those records. Um, and... Yeah, I thought it was a cool moment for Hansborough to be there. Um, he talked about like him when uh, he passed Phil Ford for the all-time scoring record. Phil Ford was in attendance, so he felt like he should show up for Baycott. I thought that was a cool moment. Um, and, and Baycott deserves it. He's been really, really good as of late. Um, every bit the player worthy of... Uh, preseason ACC player of the year. And he has to still be doing it hurt, right? Like he's hurt his ankles a few times this season and he's still doing all of this. He's almost certainly not a hundred percent, which an even bigger testament to what he's done because he's just been a monster. Yeah. I really don't know where this team would be without him or R.J. Davis at this point. R.J. has also just been incredible. Um, we talked about it in the last podcast. His his three-point numbers have been crazy for January. And um, he obviously, he scored a lot of his points at the free throw line on Saturday. But he was just, he was really, really good. Yeah. Um, still a quiet game for Caleb Love. Um, kind of. But, but he got to the free throw line quite a bit, and that does account for something, especially with his um, desire to shoot three-pointers. Um, but he did get to the line enough to take shoot 10 free throws, um, made, made nine of the 10. So... I feel like, and I think I even saw that he was, yeah, plus 17 for this game. So it was better in a lot of respects. His shooting just still is struggling. He had no turnovers. Yeah. That's pretty huge, too. So, I mean, shout out to him. And he played 38 minutes. Julius is going to end the call. Yes. No, and I, I think it's just a testament, like we've said all along, that um, you know certain things are not working for you. Namely, the let's pull up three minutes into the shot clock, uh, the shot. 
but other things are. And, you know, so that's getting to the line, you know, playing smart, not turning it over. That's the Caleb Love that we actually need. And I'd actually argue that we need that Caleb Love more than we need three-point shooting well, when he's making it. do. And you're not going to get to the line pulling up from half court early in the shot clock for an ill-advised three. You get to the free throw line by driving, which he, especially in the second half, I felt like uh, was doing more of. So if we can get that Caleb, I think we're, we'll all take it. Um, it's just it's the other Caleb that I think we could uh, do do without. To your point, all ten free throws were in the second half. So yeah, oh, I didn't make that up. Yeah, he, he definitely. <laughs> um, I think he definitely did more of that after halftime. His his minutes aren't going anywhere. His minutes were not diminishing, right? Because he doesn't get into foul trouble. Um, and Hubert is still playing him. So that part's not going anywhere. And I don't like admonishing him. Like, I, you know, I want him to be the best version of himself because that only helps uh, this team excel more. But it's just, yeah, we need... The things that you can do and that you're that you're great at, uh, and I also think that's going to help your draft stock if you're looking at that too. Yeah, and once again, I just hope that that's something that clicks for him. Is like NBA players look for so much more than just shooting, so much more. Like I, I don't like. There have been plenty of great scores out of college that got to the NBA, and they either didn't make the roster in a productive way or if they did they got mopped so it's just he i hope he keeps that in mind and just keeps working at it and after all that fun we get to go play the two three zone boo (laughs) at 9 p.m on a tuesday so I'm going to say this, and I realize that uh, I've had a certain pessimistic tone here lately, and we've prevailed. Um, so I don't want to sound like outright optimistic because it still is Syracuse, still playing that zone. I took a look at um, some of their stats earlier, and I, and as expected, Gerard is uh, their leading scorer. He's their three-point threat kind of thing. You know, I think they their last game they had – Three other people that made one three, you know, um, in addition to him, in addition to Joe. But I think as long as we've got an Armando Baycott doing Armando Baycott things and no one else is particularly underperforming, I think we'll be okay. I think you're right, but also the fact that you've now said that out loud when in the games that you felt pessimistic – they ended up winning. I now wonder <laughs> what curse you have unleashed. <laughs> oh, no. You're not wrong, but you could have thrown off the juju. I will say the plus side is Buddy Beheim's no longer on that team. I feel yeah, but like they've got a replacement for him. Yeah. but I just, Is the other Beheim still on the team? I don't see the other Beheim on the team. Oh, I meant Joe. That's the that's the Joe. replacement I'm thinking about. Like every time I hear his name, I'm thinking about the Yankees. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So if we have eliminated all Bayheims except the coaching one, 
um, maybe maybe it'll be okay. I feel like I feel like we can at least have leaky car. I cannot talk during this podcast. I feel like we can at least have leaky guard Gerard and maybe it will be another situation of make somebody else beat you. It kind of worked against Terquavion Smith when he was in the game. Um, he, he still got his, he just wasn't efficient. Um, so, I mean, if you could create that kind of situation, I feel like that gives UNC the best shot to win. Um, RJ Davis is going to have to have another good game because I don't feel like they can do it all in the paint with that zone. They're going to have to knock shots down from deep too. And I guess the last piece of that is either Nance or Love needs to find a way to get going. And I'm probably looking more towards Nance. I don't know. I don't know. (laughs) I don't know. It's interesting to me how not that many shots he takes. I feel like like he's had like three good games. Yeah. No, no hate, no shade, but, um, yeah. Um, you mean Nance? Sorry? You mean Nance? Yes, Nance. Aggressive Nance is the best Nance. Yes. But when have we seen that other than the three good games? I mean, I don't know. So, what, that last game he was aggressive? Or not the state game. Who do we play before state? We had, like, three threes. Um, Boston College. Boston College. So, that one, and then the state. All I remember is him saying that uh, Hubert was trying to impress upon him that he needs him to be aggressive. And I definitely understand that part. Maybe I would go 50-50, equal parts love, equal parts Nance. If one of them, and I do believe if it's going to be one of them, um, stepping up from a scoring perspective from a three-point line, it's definitely going to be Nance. Um, Yeah, I don't know. We'll we'll see. Caleb Love um, attacking that zone kind of thing, I'm definitely interested in seeing that as well. This is the Hot Take Podcast, so I will throw out a hot take. I would rather see Jalen Washington in this game than Pete Nance because I think Jalen's game is perfectly suited to tackling the 2-3 zone. I 100% agree because I think we even talked about it. I Like Washington's jumper is just better than Baycott's. Not to say that Baycott shouldn't be out there. He obviously should, and he will score, but – when you're in that zone, like in the middle of the zone, like you have to be able to knock down that mid-range shot, and that's what Washington brings to the table that I feel like the other two probably don't do as well. Yeah. Fair. still believe Jalen and Baycott kind of complement each other in that way, though. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's why I would play both of them and maybe not. As much of Nance in this situation. I haven't seen, but has has anyone else seen Puff's uh, status? I think they said that there's a chance he will play. Yeah. A chance. I need to wrap my man in a bubble. Yeah. Ain't that the truth? So last thing, I guess while we're here, we would be remiss not to mention how well the women are doing. Uh, They are on quite the streak right now. 
Uh, we continue to stand behind everything we said on the last podcast about them. If you're not paying attention, don't know what you're doing with your life, they're they're killing it. Yeah, they just beat Georgia Tech, like really beat Georgia Tech. Um, that was a fun game. Too. Also, I think since we recorded last, they also beat Duke. Yeah, they did. And that was that was a great game. Yeah. Really great, considering, if I'm not mistaken, Duke led, like, three quarters of that game. And, you know, they were able to tighten it down. Um, I think, like, a major positive for them, especially um, under last game, was uh, Deja Kelly, like, came open again with scoring. She had been, um, I'd say, a, a bit of a scoring slump. Uh, definitely not a facilitating slump, but she'd been in a bit of a scoring uh, slump. But uh, she kind of broke open her her latest one. But yeah, five straight. What three of the five were ranked teams? Yep. Yeah. Especially after starting conference play, zero and three. Right. You know, you rattle off five in the middle of what was your your toughest stretch uh, to date, and so now they they just got to keep playing that way, and um, you know, don't have any slip ups against the lesser portion, quote unquote lesser. And I say that. With courts because uh, the women's ACC women's basketball is probably going to get eight teams in the tournament, um, so it's, it's pretty deep. But yeah, uh, definitely a fan of uh, Coach Banghart, a fan of the team, and yeah, uh, want to see some team basketball. Um, definitely watch them team basketball and winning. If you like winning and a UNC jersey, uh, yeah, they're doing a whole lot of winning. Um, they are definitely trending up. Um, I believe they are now ranked 15th in the country. So without question, as far as, as long as nothing tragic happens, they're getting into the NCAA tournament. Um, it'll be very interesting to see how deep they go. I feel like they have, I feel like they, they got the pieces, um, I don't know because, you know, college basketball is what it is. I don't know if we're talking Final Four good or not, but, I mean, they are definitely in the conversation of teams that could make waves and get there somehow. They've beaten a lot of good teams, and they've played a pretty tough schedule, um, which I think helps even if it doesn't always result in a win at the time, um, I think playing those really good teams makes a difference. Um, I think they play Pitt Thursday and then uh, Clemson Sunday. Yep. Um, so neither one of those teams are ranked, but Clemson has a decent record, so should be a good game. But they are definitely, they are definitely doing extremely well right now, playing really exciting games, and you should be watching them. Yeah, and they gave uh, South Carolina their toughest game of the tournament last year too. So yeah, yeah. I I just I'm excited to see where they can go this year. I think I think we will be pleasantly surprised during the tournament. Yeah, and I I'm actually I definitely want to go too because they're currently slotted in a top four, um, a top four seed. So that means they'll get to host at Carmichael. First two rounds. 
That would be exciting. Yeah. Crazy atmosphere. Well, guys, I think that's all we have for this one. Uh, would you like to tell the people where they can find you? You can find me at THB Brandon. Find me at UNC underscore Tar Heel fan. And I am at Tanya underscore underscore Anderson. Until next time, go Heels. Go Heels. Go Heels.